The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. podcast i am the wolf and i am the bull <laughs> i don't even want to listen to what that sounds like and i, I probably am the don't. lamb <laughs> there we go very good <laughs> well yeah. we have a special episode today don't we yeah, per usually yeah they're all special but this is especially special especially that's a special real phrase I don't it know. is a real i phrase. feel special well, for this. That's what counts right there. <laughs> you totally, you totally. I mean, this is, I'm excited. It's going to be a really good conversation. Uh, we have again, once again, returning t- for episode 73, valedictorian of his training class, rookie of the year, officer of the year, detective of the year, the 24th sheriff of Pinal County, and a man known for his fear not, do right attitude, special guest, the honorable Sheriff Mark Lamb has returned. Again. All right. Man, I feel we're privileged. We're, this is awesome. We're excited to have you there. We are. We are. You know, it's funny when you when you haven't met someone and you see some videos on a person or see some I was gonna say tweets, but maybe not, maybe some <laughs> reels and things like that. You just you're never sure. Right. And then you sit down and meet someone and you have a conversation. And even though the conversation was filmed and recorded, it was I don't know, it was just it was a down to earth conversation about real topics in a straightforward way. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you how refreshing that is. I appreciate it. I, I always say I'm not smart enough to do any other way. So uh, <laughs> you just get you just get me and hopefully people like it. And if yeah. they don't, I, I don't, there's not much I can do about it. See, well, I, see, I don't know why people wouldn't like that, though. You know, see, I, I think that's, you know, you and I have talked before about how I like to overcomplicate things. It's kind of, you know, say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's I like to see the detail and the granular nature and dice it up and, you know, how many bits of this and pieces of that to to turn it into some formula yeah that's kind of my my nature you're the professor but but i think that that what uh sheriff lamb does is he keeps even though he's got all that probably going through his head and you probably want to comment on a million things all the time you just know that there are certain lanes and certain things that are truly black and white and if you stick with those there's no gray area about what you're talking about. You nailed it. Uh, this the other day, one of my guys that I work with, who's Protect America now, mm-hmm. um, wanted to send out a text um, email about gas prices. And I called him and I said, the email's great, but it has nothing to do with me. Hmm. Like, I'm a sheriff. I had, I'm going to stay in my lane. Yes, I have an opinion on gas prices. Yes, I have an opinion on a lot of things. But the hardest part is just staying in your lane and, and fo- and talking about things that you should talk about. Yeah. Now I said if you want to talk about how gas prices is affecting our budgets in law enforcement, or how um, this is causing a recession, or or it's making it hard for us to hire people because income is no longer relative to cost of living, then we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. But 
you're right. The hardest thing is to try to stay within your lane and talk about the things that, that are related to sheriff's work, office, yeah. sheriff's work, yeah. Yeah. Um, the rule of law, that type of thing. So, see, I always look at everything as being blended in some way, shape, or form, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm right about that. That things they they do um, contact with each other, they do affect each other. But if if you're in a realm, if you're if you're talking about the border with someone, which has got to be, I would imagine from your perspective, everything about the border and related to the the negative aspects of what's happening there has got to be premium in your mind all the time. So all these other things can affect that in one way, shape or another, but you only want to talk about the effect, not all these periphery things. Right. So, yeah, it's for the old, you know, I played baseball. You can only play one position at a time. Yeah. And you learn how to play your position. What position? Uh, Center field. Center field. You learn how to just play in that (laughs) position. And sometimes you might end up in somebody else's, you know, Left a little field, bit right in the field, left right. field, a little bit in the right field, maybe down towards shortstop. And in the end, you have to hope that everybody else does their job yeah. and you stay in your position. Yeah. yeah, You know, it's funny that you say it that way because that's one of the things I look at in today's kind of polarized environment. Yeah, people don't, they don't stay in their They don't stay in their lane at all. And, and, and not to, fact, they, yeah. they get a pedestal yeah. of some kind. They get they get in a position like yourself with where you have some notoriety um, in you have a platform that you want to use to better things, but then you start talking about things that you have no context to right. talk about right now. Yeah, and I see that all the time. I see that with artists. Well, it's not to say time. that people can't talk about. They certain certainly things. can, but it's I mean, just um, it's how they do it, right? So I mean, it's, it's the it's, I'm right, you're yeah, wrong yeah, thing. Yeah, that, yeah. That is the problem. And it dilutes your voice. It really does. It dilutes the power of your voice. For example, border security. Mm-hmm. I talk a lot about that. If I go off and start talking about Ukraine and start talking about all these other things, I might mention the fact that you're spending money in Ukraine and it's instead of at the border where it should be being spent. Right. But I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole into all that other stuff because it's not my bailiwick. Right. And I might, you and I, when we sit around as friends, we might talk about it and I'll have my opinion on it. But on a, on a public level, on a national level, I think it's important just to talk about the things that you under, you know, you have your expertise exactly. in. And I think that you, your voice is stronger when you do that. Yeah. If I start talking about things that just aren't, don't have anything to do with law enforcement or a sheriff, people are going to start, stop listening to me when I do talk about things that are important. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Can't, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, so, I mean, since the last time you were on our episode, you have been up to a million and a half things. Like, you've been all over the place. I, I've been watching your Instagram feed, and you're, you're here, you're there, you're all over the place. Man, and I don't post half the stuff I do. I would imagine. <laughs> I don't post a quarter of the stuff I do. So then I'm... I'm Two million, three million, four million and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been a lot of places. You know, it's been fortunate to, to have the opportunity to go speak in a lot of different places, mm-hmm. talk about the rule of law, talk about border security. And frankly, my message is always one of hope, yeah. one of hope and, and determination, perseverance, overcoming these challenges we're facing as a country, coming together as a country and as mm-hmm. a people and really helping people understand that's really where our power is yeah. as a country, is we the people. Yeah. Um, no matter what color, religion, race, uh, ethnic background, cultural background you come from, political, philosophy, philosophical, we're all Americans. Yeah, we're all on the same side. And trying to find that common ground and encouraging people to find the common ground. So been fortunate to be a lot of places speaking, uh, been on a lot of, you know, Fox, uh, mm-hmm. 
Fox Business, yeah. Newsmax, OAN, Real America's Voice. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've got the political thing. So mm-hmm. I've got political candidates showing my my commercial or commercials with me in it, mm-hmm. walking in with them in the desert. I mean, so yeah, I've been in a million and one places. Yeah. Or four million in one place. Four million yeah. in one. Yeah, you've been you've been doing great. I mean, I, obviously, you Thank recently you. published your recent book, uh, "American Sheriff: uh, Rules to Live By." I did. Um, the bull is well versed. I have well-versed. finished. Well versed. I'll tell you what I really liked. There's a lot of things I liked about it, but I think taking and we'll probably hear from we'll on it, yeah. the wolf shortly about kind of the the framework you used for that book, which is a a wonderful poem by Rudyard Kipling. But the way you, you know, I've read a ton over the course of my career. I've been in sales and then management and then own businesses for a long time. So I read a lot of, you know, the rules to live by the, the, the things to do to sell better, the, Mm -hmm. the kind of the, the framework things, some of the very popular old books that have been around since the fifties and some of the new books from all the gurus that came out. But what you did was very interesting because you took, kind of each stanza, yes. right? Yep. And you you married that with a historical story, some longer than others, but a story about a, a person's character, some of the things they went through, some of the things in their life they went through, and how it tied to that stanza, and then a personal anecdote, yeah. usually, and then kind of a rule to live by. So it was a very, it flowed very nice. Oh, and, thank you. And I, I always worry because I'm not an author. You know, when what I write these, what are you talking these, about? You got two books. <laughs> I've got two books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I, I don't think you can say that. Amongst your four four million and two well, travel two, spots, this yeah. is four million and three. Oh, just to just keeps right? going. So, yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's it's great. I love and that I'm poem, sure so. and I've always loved that poem. And I just, you know, it's you. You have these thoughts that come through your head when you th- read the poem and mm. you think of the poem. And then I love the founding fathers. Yeah, and I thought the timing of the book was going back to what I had said about stories of courage and determination and perseverance and sacrifice and, and all of those things. I just, I think we lose touch with those things that that is part of life. Right. Mm -hmm. And now the beauty of when you have challenging times and stormy weather is it opens the door for a hero. It opens the door for somebody to, to come in and save the day or to, to give you some guidance through it. And, you know, the book was designed to just, I thought the poem is even more applicable nowadays with just what the, where the world is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, sharing some stories that are close to me about the founding fathers of people who really showed grit and determination and perseverance and sacrifice mm-hmm. and well, a few th- of my own stories. I think so. from, um, you know, you mentioned a second ago about uh, the, the we the people kind of thing, the coming together that's needed. And that this is a political period, and it seems like yeah. the, the political seasons run into each other all the time now. Mm. Yeah. So as soon as we're done with this one, we're going to start thinking about it, the 2024. It, it right? doesn't stop. But, it just keeps but, going. But one of the quotes from, I forget which chapter it was, but you were talking about Ben Franklin. And, of mm-hmm. course, it was the, okay, you know, he and he was not an advocate for uh, us parting ways with England. At no. first, yeah, I mean, he, no, and the he richest man in America said he said every every um, infringement is not a cause for rebellion. Exactly. So he was lines. very cautious at the beginning. They thought he but, was a spy. But what was that. the famous line he used that that just married up with what you just said a minute ago? Well, we we're either you hang together, mm-hmm. or we're going to end up hanging separately. That's right. Right. Yeah. And that 
every time I hear story about the founding fathers, and it's a thin thread. I read the book 1776 years and years and years ago, and it, it was the first time I read a historical book that had kind of a flavor of storytelling in it that said a lot of the same things you did. And there, the fact that we actually came into existence is such a thin, Unbelievable. Oh, thin yeah. line. Mm-hmm. Oh, And in your book, which was 120 pages, something like 140. that. 140. Those short stories about a, a half a dozen characters or maybe it was a dozen tied that together really nice mm-hmm. uh, you know like uh, george washington the very first chapter i don't think people realize how close we were to failing mm-hmm. and that first chapter the story of crossing the delaware for many americans has been lost yeah just to what it all entailed but really it was george washington's first time leading on the battlefield mm-hmm. to that point he had not led on the battlefield because he was, you know, doing the whole thing, but he knew the the importance that this was likely to be the last, the last time. He even said to his brother, he's like, you know, I fear that the game is up. Mm. And, uh, wow, and that's wild. He knew the importance of it, and he was so determined. Mm-hmm. And that's what you know the first chapter talks about. But it, it's it's really, I think it was kind of one of the best things to do because in any book when you're when you're writing stuff and i've always been a would-be writer still haven't gotten to the point where i've actually finished something like this but but you got to have a hook yeah right yeah and that story is definitely a hook and and we'll yeah. get to some of this I yeah know we will we I, will we, we got to get to his well, this is good yeah, this, this is, is good the wolf, the wolf has always has a great well monologue. no this i can't i couldn't stop <laughs> oh, this, this is, you call the wolf oh, yeah. that's I know all you had that's to say <laughs> yeah no honestly it's funny we're all on the same page because it segues right into my monologue Perfect. before i jump into it though for our listeners and our viewers if you like what you see if you like what you hear if you're a fan of sheriff mark lamb go ahead and follow us on instagram follow sheriff mark lamb on instagram and you can find our content on youtube as well with a subscription but let me go ahead and jump right into the monologue i have some mood music unfortunately sheriff mark lamb you will hear it in post so <laughs> If you're watching or listening to this episode, then you're aware of the sensitive time that we're currently in in America. It's everyone's favorite time of year, election season. Children wake up late at night to see if there are any ballots underneath their Christmas tree. Parents excitedly wake up early in the morning to see if there are any ballots in their mailboxes. Even the deceased wake up from their graves to excitedly exercise their right to vote. It's a wonderful time of year, and of course, I jest. Parents never excitedly check their mailboxes, even if there are any ballots in there. Jokes aside, America has been through some tumultuous years, to say the least. Per our last episode, and something that I'm sure we'll discuss today, Sheriff Lamb, elected or soon-to-be-elected officials, law enforcement officers, and those that have given their valuable time to the cause have been doing their very best to fight against the insidiousness of the fentanyl drug trade and border issues that we face, not only in the Great Grand Canyon State, but also throughout the country. Public service is an extreme sacrifice and one that shouldn't be ignored, forgotten, or taken lightly. In getting to know Sheriff Lamb and through reading his book, American Sheriff, Traditional Values in the Modern World, I've come to understand that Sheriff Lamb truly cares about his fellow countrymen, the county he helps to protect, and the great state we live in, and the country that we're a part of. He's a public servant, yes. He's well known, yes. And he's also someone I think actually cares about those around him. In a time where the lines between good and evil, right and left, up and down, seem to be getting more blurred every day, 
It's an absolute necessity that we as Americans can see past our preferred bias to those around us, recognizing our differences aren't what define us, but what actually bring us together. We brought Sheriff Lamb onto the show not only to discuss what he's been up to in relation to his new book and the fight against fentanyl, but also to discuss his views and his experiences as a public servant, and also what it means to be a leader in the face of opposition and censorship. Very nice. I've been as practicing always. in the mirror. That was nice. The- <laughs> Thank you. I loved it. Thank you. Thank yeah. You know, I... I- I think the uh, the ballad in under the Christmas tree is more like the coal in your stocking, <laughs> sure. and and um, and it's the mail in ballot which you oftentimes don't know where that ends up. I had to break you it know? to you. If you have a ballot underneath your Christmas tree, it it's is too loop. late. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well put Chris Greenwell yeah. right in the... You the, might the, as well the, crinkle it up <laughs> and throw it away. It's like the, the, the final swing vote. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's no, it's right. a month and 30 days later. We have to continue. This is the final we swing vote. We have to count it. He meant to put uh, it in there. And uh, honestly, I, you know what, uh, Sheriff? I don't know. Did you, did you happen to... I know you're busy as hell but did you happen to listen at all to the speech last night biden's speech i didn't even know about it 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 was very short it was 15 (laughs) minutes something like that it was not memorable but but it i happened to be driving back from from southern california at the time so i had it on so i was listening and and i was i was a little not conflicted but confused which doesn't surprise me from listening to our current president but (laughs) that (laughs) <laughs> Having said that, I'm not he was spending a lot of time trying to conflate the uh, the situation that happened with the Speaker of the House's husband in January 6th, which I, I thought was a very, very long reach to make. I, I could only paraphrase. I could only talk a little bit about is there recorded you, evidence of this because <laughs> uh, i probably to, oh you I, should listen to this it. is I, you should listen to it. It's you know in it. And I found myself thinking a couple of different things toward the end of that because he was very much talking about how people should not deny elections. That was where he was going with a lot of his conversation. And I thought, I'm very confused because this is this is the part, the head of the party that is likely to lose the House, maybe the Senate too, in another week. That's that's and this is part of this is we'll see. prognostication for a week from now. Oh, well, but, well, but they'll find but, out but on why the day this he, releases. He spent a lot of time talking about mail-in ballots. Yeah, and, okay, and how everybody has to be patient because it's going to take a long time to determine certain races. I was like, what, well, didn't what, they? Call, what, why is he saying what, this? Didn't they call? And of course, um, my mind, as you've said before, I don't yeah. want to sit here and wear a tinfoil hat, but I, I felt myself. You know, thinking all kinds of crazy things. Well, didn't they call the, um, what was it, with prior to this election with Carrie Lake, didn't they call uh, in favor of what's her name before Carrie Lake won the nomination? Of Katie Hobbs? Yeah. No, it no, was no. actually about a week or, it was about a week ago, was, and it was on Fox, and they had the little, the the little down image the down in the corner that said that Carrie, uh, Katie Hobbs was, had won um, for 53 to 47%. And it was like, they had both their pictures. Mm-hmm. So Fox says, Oh no, Fox 10, we messed up. No. We're just testing our, our images for when the election night. Okay. So, huh? Yeah. yeah that that's, mm. that's the problem. 
I mean, yeah. we could go down quite a quite a rabbit trail. We really could. We really could. But yeah. and the the problem I have these days, and I I voiced this kind of last time you were here, and I've voiced this many times with you, is that I've I've been forced into a position where I doubt almost everything now. It's just it's so difficult for me. You know, I I hear about what just happened down in Brazil, the election down there, very close. Went to uh, the the kind of the leftist socialist person down there mm. but why is why are we sending people down there to make sure a transition happens why are there mobs in the street saying that wasn't what was really going on and why is big tech censoring anybody that wants to say otherwise uh, you're asking way too many questions but but I see mean. my point is is all these little things that were very subtle yeah that occurred here and have probably occurred for longer than we know in the united states why are why are they not, they're not even behind a curtain anymore. No. You can see them very clearly. And they've called you, they like this term election denier. I was telling my wife, the next time somebody says that I'm an election denier, I'm going to be like, eh, not as bad as Hillary Clinton or Stacey yeah. Abrams, but Didn't yeah, they invent I got the my term? questions. Didn't they invent the term? Like Al Gore was a, was went on for a long time mm-hmm. about how he was cheated. Hillary Clinton was went on. Stacey Abrams still claims she got cheated right and when she loses again she's going to claim that she was cheated again and they're but they're shooting themselves in the foot because what they're trying to do is close that door on there yeah now the way they've created this voting system in this united states has left us open for fraud and distrust in the system people i have gotten involved and people keeps calling me an election denier and and i've said look I'm not, I haven't talked about the, the 2020 election. What I have said is I have seen concerning things that I think that it is important that we close some of those gaps where we can. Yeah. As a sheriff, I have seen that both Republicans and Democrats mm-hmm. have felt disenchanted with the voting process. Right. And so as a sheriff, I can't fix that overnight. But what I can do is say, where does my role as a sheriff fit in with the elections? Mm-hmm. So I started getting familiar with election laws. I started getting involved in trying to do PSAs in my county on a national level. I tried to help get sheriffs involved, help give citizens a place where they could call and say, hey, look, I think something weird's going on here. Mm-hmm. That's what we tried to do is create an opportunity for that. And it's crazy because I've had tons of people get up and and just attack me for it. Yeah. And it's like. It's confusing. This isn't a party issue. Mm-mm. I'm doing my job as a sheriff because there are laws that directly relate with 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 election uh, violations. Yeah. And I have tried to make my county aware of it. I have any issues that have been brought to my attention that I thought were valid issues that needed more cons- um, more attention. I would take those to the county attorney and say, look. Can I get your professional opinion as to what this or this should be? And so I think I've done my job as a sheriff, right. but I keep getting labeled as this person that is to, is being political as it relates to elections. And I am trying to protect the election for everybody. Right. And I'm trying to give, Amer- well, at least citizens of Pinal County, mm. 
restore some of that trust in, hey, at least we're doing it right in our account. Well, I think the thing that gets me like as a apathetic millennial, uh, my entire generation, <laughs> that's just what we are now. We're just disenfranchised with everything. The thing that gets me is like I, I am expected politically from an election standpoint to trust every outcome either side, because to your point, it's not about who wins. It's about how they win, whether yeah, on right. any side they're on. Right. And I'm expected to trust that. Um, or, or every across the board, but then I look, get looked at as crazy when I'm skeptical of a, a powerful um, industry such as the pharmaceutical industry telling me to never ask any questions. It's like it doesn't make any sense. Well, it's, there's, there's on your government if they're telling you to not ask questions, mm-hmm. you should be skeptical as well. This country was founded on people asking questions, saying, "Hey." This isn't right. That's why we have the First Amendment. Yeah. Yeah. Not only for the for the freedom of speech, but also the right to redress grievances, to peaceably assemble, to redress grievances with your government is a constitutional and a fundamental right protected by the Constitution. It's a God-given right yeah. protected by the Constitution. And yet when you have the government telling you, you can't deny it, you can't ask questions about it, you need to accept the outcome. No, no, I don't. I can do whatever I want. And if I see shenanigans, if I see things not A and B and C not adding up or one, two, three, and four not adding up, then I'm going to ask questions. Right. Well, and people, the same people that are telling you you can't do that would get up in arms if they were in the reverse position. I mean, it's like, look, look, I'm in the middle. I think Mr. Trump is very funny. I think he's got some very funny things sometimes that he said that it just Wow, chef's kiss, comedy, <laughs> comedy gold, and, and I and I like some some of his foreign policy takes. I liked. I wasn't a big fan of the Israel thing, but that's just me. With that being said, if it had been reversed, you'd see these same people, these same media organizations who we've covered this on an episode are all owned by like fifteen billionaires, right. um, like all the same them. people, all of them. They would be saying the same thing you're saying, one hundred percent. So it's like I just don't get it. I'm telling you. It's going to flip. Mm-hmm. They're going to get shellacked in this election. And in a lot of the places so. where there's a clo- where it's close, they're going to cry foul. Yeah. And guess what? I'm trying to stop that from happening in, in one way sense, or the other. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he was setting up with that speech. That's yeah. my whole point. And, well, it's and, so and, lazy, though, but there's too. This, well, you know? there's this desire for people that have this perception that they have the ultimate right future direction whatever that is it's uh, it's your elites right it's your political betters whatever you want to call that cabal of people they <laughs> they want you to to have faith blindly okay but only in not, the things that not, they want you to have like you can't it, you well, can't do it in other ways though if you have no any one, other way no one should ask you to do that heck your 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 religion doesn't even ask you to have blind has asked you for faith belief but it doesn't ask, never ask you to be blind about it. Mm. It always asks you to. We're human beings. We, right. We're questioning animals. We do it all the time. That's one of the things that's so fun about what we do here. We question all kinds of things. And we all have our beliefs and directions. And we're all open and susceptible to people pushing us one way or pulling us another, either rightly or wrongly. But this idea of having this faith blindly in people, number one, that we don't even know. Yeah. And number two, that have agendas that we obviously look at that are that are adverse to everything that we've grown up and known yeah. about. They're and not even are, asking you to have faith. They're telling you to sit down and shut up. Yep. Well, Eat maybe that's food. a better way to put it. Don't sit down and uh, over there. We're going to, I don't want to hear a word about how good the food is or isn't. Yep. 
is what they're telling you. And I'm not okay with that. No, and I'm not I'm not either. I don't think anyone here is. I think the the the, the frustration that I have with all of this is like you guys do know cuz and we've you know Bull and I've talked about this. Like it seems unfortunately that there's a group of people that is closing the door behind them. They've had the best time of their lives, made a ton of money, were free, did all these things. All that aside, I'm using this as an example. Sure. Um it, they're closing the door behind them without realizing that the people like myself and the generations after me are going to have to deal with this nonsense. Yeah. So what So what happens, what happens rhetorically? Let's go down this road. America's voting system just doesn't work anymore because no one trusts it. What happens to the rest of the world? Like, look, we're in a good position here in this country, but if America falls apart, we'll kind of maybe get back on our feet, kind of, sort of, maybe in a different way. But what about third world countries that depend on us? What about any semblance? Well, I was just talking as, about the Brazil thing. I know it's it, like it's it, well, it's like with the, the whole the whole shipping thing with the last two years we've talked about. No one seems to think or even bring up, even with some semblance of seriousness, about what happens with those third world countries that depend on food. Like, are we just going to pretend that famine won't occur because of all the backlogs of the fertilizer and all that stuff because of all this nonsense? I mean, it's, it's everything's going to everything's occur. connected, and like I don't know. It's just it's one thing I have to say. Sheriff Lamb, there's I, there's no brown stuff on my nose. You are a breath of fresh air when it comes to one someone who has you know some level of fame and notoriety, but also someone as a public servant who understands that people around him are actually people. Mm-hmm. It's it's that's kind of where the disconnect for me is because I'm as a libertarian constitutionalist first, moral constitutionalist technically, um, and, and libertarian second. I don't like public service people, but reading your book, I'm like. Okay, well, Sheriff Lamb's genuine, wait, wait. and even and even though he has some political or politician aspects of it, he's genuine. And the only two things those things have in common is that they rhyme. So <laughs> you're, you're so you're one so you're one of the. I think he's a genuine individual, and this I think more people need to be that again, way. Though. Yeah, it goes back to the poem that you're going to read in a minute. I will read it right now. Last, I think it's the last stanza, last chapter, last stanza. Yeah. right. You know, I. I wish I could memorize stuff like you do sometimes, but you, you know, you're, you're talking about walking with Kings, mm. but don't forget who you or are. Lose the common touch. Or mm-hmm. lose the common touch. And I, I was, I was telling Jen and Cam before you got here, um, that, that my perception is that you came from a background that revered number one, hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and that's what part of what life is really about. But uh, number two did not put up false pretenses, okay? And I think in your position now, you almost you probably have something on the mirror or something in your office where you have to repeat that to yourself all the time, because the position you're in, the notoriety you've had, can it changes people it does hugely. It's and, there's no way it can't change you. Mm-hmm. You have to alter some aspects of your life based on. Just how, you know, your position and, you know, people will always say, oh, you changed. Well, I hope I did. Yeah. That's life. You are, you're supposed to change and get better and better and better. It's not, but then that's what I love about this poem. And I know you're going to read it. And that stanza you're talking about is, is not, if you can walk with Kings nor lose the common touch. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's really it is. It's finding that balance in life. And that's what I love about this poem. This poem is a balance of, of things, of the balance of the good and the bad, the balance of, of triumph and the balance of disaster, the balance of 
of winning the balance of getting your teeth knocked in. Right. And that is the balance of it all. And that's what I love about the poem. And, and honestly, it's poems like this and other things that I hear and listen to consistently that help keep me grounded and say, yes, you're achieving more, you're getting to new levels, but you still need to say, Hey, I'm going to come over here and read to these kids. Yeah. I mean, my church where I'm at church, I work with the kids that are eight years old. That's who I teach. I sit in there with them. I sing songs with them on Sunday. And I love it because it keeps me grounded to the people yeah. and who, who I truly yeah. serve. So, Well, I think before I read the poem, I think that's one thing that I've observed, you know, obviously, you know, with reading your, your book, but also in, in the opposite when it comes to people who don't stay grounded there always is this consistent narrative of people who become super, super, super famous. And then they get so famous, they have no more friends yeah. and then they're all alone. And it's like how you counterbalance that is by staying grounded. That's right. Like, uh, it's, uh, you, and look, you know who ends up, you know, what happens is other people come in and see opportunities mm -hmm. to, to weasel in there and become a buffer. And they, in essence are controlling. Mm -hmm. I see it with politicians all the time. They start off it's just them that show up. Mm. Like I don't have any security. Any event I go to, it's just me. Mm. My wife comes with me as sometimes, mm -hmm. but I watch all these other people that don't have near the notoriety or anything. Most nobody does. Nobody knows them and they show up and they've got two or three people of security and they've got all these other people that are Rolling like ready bosses. to scurry them off. Mm. So, they don't have time for pictures or whatever. It's like, then you did your schedule wrong and your people are buffering you too much. And what happens is, is there's these other people that people just like control. Mm -hmm. It's what's happening in this country. People want the government wants control. People want control. That also happens in a political level where you have these people that aren't as important as the person they're trying to control. And they get some level of control by saying, Hey, I keep them on task. I do this. But what happens is they control them to the point where they lose contact with the people. Yeah. And they lose that common touch. Yeah, and you're, you're Nancy Pelosi sitting in front of a $50,000 fridge in the middle of a shutdown talking about your ice cream. I mean, like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. like, like it's, it, it, that's the thing that's just, I, for me, like, and we've, we've talked about this, like with the power base and people like knowing that they believe what they believe and not. And we have differences there. But one thing I've noticed when it comes to that particular group, cause it is a particular group and it grows and it gets smaller is, is, it's like, I don't just, I just don't think they have that ability for that foresight. Cause it's like, look, look, when I'm 95, let's hope I make it there as a wolf. I mean, we don't really have that long in the lifespan, but uh, when I'm 95, like I don't want to be despised. I know. Like I don't want to be left to my own devices. And when it comes to, you know, unfortunately uh, in this country, we tend to let political people live off of the country for their entire life um which should change but that's another episode with that being said like i don't think they realize that yeah, they're not going to come out the good guys i mean it's it's it, it, you either become the hero of the people you stay around long enough to become their enemy i mean it's it's it. and it's it's just unfortunate and you're also in a society where we love to create heroes mm -hmm. but we also love to see them fall oh. yeah yeah and so it's not a shame it is it is, we are never happy. Mm -mm. We want you, we love you today, 
and we want to hate you tomorrow. And the unfortunate part about that too, because uh, on a, a sister podcast of ours, Shout Out History Out of the Box, we talk about individual political people and individual people, and we kind of humanize them. And what people don't realize by demonizing people who have impact on the world is they don't open the door for themselves to have any impact. If I demonize all the people who created the world that I currently live in, then what am I going to do to change it? Because well, I'm not good enough. There's, you know? there's an old saying that you, nobody's ever erected a statue to a critic. Mm-mm. You know, oh. it's it not you don't have to agree with everybody you come up against, and you can be critical of all kinds of things. You can have your own ideas. It's the free speech thing we've just talked about yeah. a minute ago. Yeah, but you have to contribute positively in some way, shape, or form. Yep, you can't just be the guy looking for to criticize everybody else. It's kind of the easiest thing you can do. Yeah, it's easy to throw pot shots. But let's read this poem, because I think this is a phenomenal poem. Now, this poem is called If. Read it in Rudyard's, you know. No, I want to. No, no, no. (laughs) I I like this poem. I'll give him respect, okay? (laughs) So, this poem is called If, and it's by Rudyard Kipling. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good, nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken, and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings, and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss, and lose, and start again at your beginnings, and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Sheriff Lamb, I would like you to talk about what that poem means to you. Oh, I love it. I love it. I think, you know, one of the, the parts that I love the most is is if you can meet with triumph and disaster and mm-hmm. treat those two imposters just the same. I think oftentimes we see things, especially like what we're looking at in this world now. Life is crazy. It seems like it's just disastrous. But really, it's just an imposter. Good is an imposter too. You know, it's you take a fighter who wins all the time, uh, who's triumphant. Uh, he gets soft. He gets lazy. Stops working out as hard as he should. Well, the guy who loses pushes harder. Every day he's in the gym, getting stronger, and eventually that becomes the more victorious or triumphant position. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you lose, you think that might be disastrous, but really you're developing yourself to be stronger, faster, um, more powerful, more intelligent. I love the, I mean, I love every aspect of it. If you can have your words, watch your words twisted by knaves to set a trap for fools, that couldn't be more true now. Mm-hmm. Knaves are unscrupulous and dishonest men. And we see that with the media. We see that with other politicians where they will take your words and twist them up to set a trap for the fools out there. Yeah. 
and make you think, and they do this in the media all the time. They'll write a story to make the, what they, and they oftentimes think of the common person as a fool, that they'll buy into what they're saying. And then what they really don't know, what the the people don't know is that these people have twisted somebody else's words. Mm -hmm. Um, I, what I told you before, what I love about the poem is it doesn't insinuate that life is going to be easy. It's basically insinuating throughout the poem that life is a challenge and there are going to be tough times. And it says that if you encounter this, you should do this. If you encounter this, don't fall into this. If people hate you, don't give in to hating. Um, if you can watch your words twisted by nays to set a trap for fools. Um, if you can lose and pick up all their pieces and put it back together again and do it all again, if you can risk it and lose it all and never breathe a word about your loss. And when you go through all these things, it says in the end, if you can do these things, the earth is yours. And what is more, you'll be a man, my son. And it's true. You learn how to be a man by overcoming the challenges that life gives you. It's, it's a, a, a poignant, each stanza is pretty poignant. And it, I said it earlier, half an hour ago or so, it's something about balance. And this is, that's how it spoke to me. Yeah. It spoke to me about, and there, you know, the, the neatest thing about reading poetry um, or a, a specific anecdote or story is when it reminds you of something personal. And that, when I was complimenting you earlier on the book, I was, I was, the it was great that you had some historical figures in there talking about that because because it, it's something everybody can identify with some pe- some people in there that I had never heard of which we can talk about and some people that I knew of of course but knew different things about them but every one of these things reminded me of something in my own life my own yeah. story good or bad in the way I took things the way I complained about something that maybe I shouldn't have or the way I viewed my I've had a lot of success in my life and and it's you know i look back and it, a lot of it was very hard work a lot of it was perseverance more so than you know ability really right. and in everybody knows people like that everybody knows the people that are that are naturally talented at something whether it's sports or academics or something like that and there are other people that will just simply outwork everybody else and there's a combination that works for me. I've had some great successes and I've gotten to a certain point and I I remember a day like it was yesterday where one of my companies had reached a certain level and I was like, the rest of my life is a home run, man. <laughs> Nothing else is going to change. And it was like the week I got back from having that conversation with somebody in Cancun, of all places, <laughs> where I had that conversation, <laughs> some circumstance came along and reminded me that life is a journey, yeah, right. And so this this thing jumped out at me right away. And my favorite chapter was, I think, was number five. You know, that's the disaster and triumph one. Yeah. And you you talked about a story about a uh, a Chinese farmer. Yeah. That I thought just made the point wonderfully. I don't know if you can share that or yeah. Not. So the story is is there's a Chinese farmer and he's got his son and he's got a horse and that's what they do. They go out and plow the field and do all that stuff. Well, one night a storm comes in and it blows down their fence and they wake up in the morning, see their fence down and find that their horse is gone. So the neighbors come over and the neighbors are like, Oh my gosh, this is horrible. You have the worst luck. Oh my gosh, God must be mad at you. 
this is terrible. What will you do? How will you overcome this? This is awful. And he just says, maybe we shall see. He and his son go out. They fix the fence that day. They put in the work. They don't have a horse anymore. You could have said, why fix the fence? But they go out and fix the fence anyway. The next day, his horse comes back with 10 more horses. Hmm. Now he's got 11 horses. And now the neighbors come over and they're like, you're so blessed. What will you do? How will you... What are you going to do with all these horses? God loves you. Uh, this is amazing. This is such a blessing. And what does he say? Maybe we shall see. The next day, he's got all these 11 horses now. Some people might say that's a great thing. Well, now you got to go out and break all these horses and get them ready. So he sends his son out to break one of the horses. His son goes out. He's breaking one of the horses, gets bucked off, breaks his leg. The neighbors come over and they're like, this is horrible. You lost your son. How will you plow your field? How will you break all these horses? This is just the worst thing ever. You're so, God is so unhappy with you. You're so unlucky. Maybe we shall see. The next day, the Chinese army comes through and takes every young man of age and leaving only behind his son because his son had a broken leg. The moral to the story is, is that what you think is a triumph isn't always a triumph, and what you see as a disaster isn't always a disaster. The broken leg wasn't a, seemed disastrous, but it kept his son from being going to with the army. Eleven yeah. horses showing up seems like a really great thing, but then you got to go break all those horses, and you got to feed those horses, and there's a lot of things that come along with that. And there's just so much in that story that really just illustrates that life. it's just a life. I think Kipling using the word imposter was made what it made yes. so powerful because yeah. it personified yep. that. And it really jumped out at me. I love this kind of stuff too. I really do. I think this is it. it there are definitely life lessons there. Yeah. If people are willing to absorb To see them. it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I called it rules to live by is because I'm not telling you how to live. These are just some rules that if you can apply them, they're, mm-hmm. you can live by them. Um, and going to the triumph and disaster, the example I give in the end of the chapter is the greatest, if you're a Christian, the greatest example of this being triumph and disaster, being imposters, is the worst thing to ever happen to the world if you're a Christian is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But the best thing to happen to the world was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ because it opened the door to the atonement and the resurrection. And so it's, they're all imposters. It's just how you look at it. It's the attitude you have and how you approach life that really defines what happens. You know, it's one of the, um, one of the things I'm always amazed about because even for, even for folks that, that, that don't have a certain belief system that we share here, um, the, the books, the stories told, the the life lessons in the Bible—they're worth reading. They're though. incredible. They yeah. are, and they're applicable too. Yeah, I mean, this and, is that's the thing I don't really understand because I think it's like my generation and then like Zoomers. Like, I don't think they really understand that. Look, no one's saying you have to believe it. No. Like you can reading it enough has some credence. I mean, I, I've read the Bible multiple times. I've also <laughs> read some other books that are not like the Bible at all. And I take from the Bible the things that I think are applicable to me. And then those other books I read because, you know, why not? 
their bikes yes. to learn. Like yeah. to learn. Um, and I just don't know why people don't do that because it's like it's you're not going to like. Well, there's a you're not going to die if you read it. You know, there's sincerely and and it's always fun to try to look not fun. It's always interesting to try to look for root causes behind some of the things that occur today. And I, I, my personal belief is one of the main root causes behind kind of the deterioration of certain um, ethical standards, certain moral imperatives. It comes from the lack of family and community structure. Mm-hmm. And that includes, yeah. mm-hmm. in what we just talked about, a, a structure around belief systems. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, that our current form of government is doing wrong is it's trying to become the mother and father. It's trying to be everything to everybody. And in do, it's not just saying, hey, we're here to help. They're supposed to be there to help. It's saying, don't worry about having a father or a mother. Be a, a, a you know, single-parent household. Be a, don't worry about your, the, the way you grew up or the, the family framework or the community. Don't worry about it anymore. We're here. Big Daddy government is here. Daddy Biden and Mommy Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh. You know, and this this is family is one of the the, the keys to America. Mm-hmm. The family unity, and one of the reasons they do this whole pronoun thing and all of these things, and you can be whoever you want to be, and if you want to be an animal, you can do that. Is because wolf. what it does is it, and I'm a lamb. <laughs> it removes the identity of people. Yeah. When you no longer are a he, she, or you are, you you start to to remove that identity, mm-hmm. and when you do that, you're just you're a nobody, and they want to make you think that you're somebody because you did that, but in reality, you're a nobody. You've you've taken your own identity away, and that is what's ruining the family. Is now they're saying, don't worry about everything else. It's you. You determine what's your val- the happiness in your life, and it, don't care what anybody else says. And to a extent, extent that that has some value to it. Mm-hmm. But they're taking that value and and perverting it and saying, basically saying, you can determine what your what you think is right is wrong. What is right mm-hmm. is wrong, and no, it doesn't matter what society says is right and wrong. And that is what's undermining the rule of law, mm-hmm. and that's a problem mm-hmm. because everybody is now. These young kids are going. Well, I think it's right, and if you say, "Well, that two plus two equals four, you're wrong. No, no, I think it's two plus two equals six, yeah. and so that's all that matters. Yeah, and it's that it perverts reality. And it perverts and it demin- it diminishes the human being, mm. and it undermines the family, and that is the uh, the whole evil nature around all of this stuff we're seeing. Yeah, I, I think it also creates an internalized enemy for those individuals. I mean, so I'm a fan of history, and uh, <laughs> Marcus Tullius Cicero once said, "A nation can survive its fools and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within." An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he is known and carries his banner openly. But the traitor moves amongst those within the gate freely, his sly whispers rustling through all the alleys, heard in the very halls of government. And when it comes to what we're talking about, and even when it comes to the voting thing, I think people don't realize that <laughs> you can't uh, you can't be your own judge, jury, and executioner. 
And it's the unfortunate thing that I see with it is it's creating this other, you know, reverse reaction from individuals that believe two plus two equals six in which they come to the realization that, oh, I made a mistake. So now I have to fight against myself to go back to a thing that I can never change ever again. And now I'm broken because of that. You You know, know, the United States is a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, in it's it's always evolving and changing swinging the pendulum different ways it's, a lot of the things we talk about today in a, to a different degree throughout history were uh conflicting ideas i mean alexander hamilton and jefferson had yeah. extremely different ideas on how they should view certain things right so so it's not, this is not the first time these kind of things had happened but ultimately there was a collective idea to put certain parameters around our overall way of believing in the United States, the 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 guardrails, if you will. Mm-hmm. And if you want to believe something outside the guardrails, everybody will go, okay, it's your right to believe in that. Just understand you're outside those guardrails. Mm-hmm. The problem now is everybody wants to tear the guardrails down and act like they were only there because of some kind of, uh, you know, racist philosophy from the past yeah. or some kind of misogynist thing that occurred or whatever the case everything is demonized everything right. is a, a racist a, a denier uh this a that anything that that offends their sensibility has become wrong mm-hmm. to them and that's and you have a government telling them that's right your sense of reality is what really we should all get behind but we can't have a million senses of reality it, it, it doesn't produce a good society did you hear G- georgia maloney the the italian prime minister when she won this new lady that won mm-hmm. she had the best quote she says fires will be kindled to testify that two plus two equals four <laughs> swords will be drawn to prove that the leaves are green in the summer that time has arrived and we are ready and it's true. Wow, that's a like, strong statement. That's powerful statement. to say. Like, mm-hmm. It's sad, but do swords really need to be drawn to prove that the leaves are green in the summer? No. So i got to ask you, Sheriff, though, if, the, if our government, our administration, uh, the, the, the people that have been in Washington for you know, 30 years through multiple administrations that are really the ones that kind of guide some of the, the strings or pull some of the marionette strings out there, what is the reason for that? See, I always go back to, you know, two things. Follow the money and who wants the power, right? Who wants to stay in power? And and somebody has done a calculation that says, dumb the population down as much as humanly possible and scatter them in every direction and make them fight amongst themselves because ultimately, no matter who's in charge, we're in charge. Mm -hmm. Until we're not. Well, that's what all everybody has to do is read history. Mm -hmm. The rise and fall of this, the rise and fall of that, it all happens, as you just read, from the inside out. The rot always occurs mm-hmm. on the inside first. Well, you know, and uh, Sheriff Lamb, I think you probably have a good, uh, a, I think you have a you have finger on the pulse with this one. Because, you know, I've spoken with conservatives and liberals alike who seem to echo a hopeless narrative if their chosen candidate doesn't win. Now, why do you think Americans, quote unquote, do regard in relation to the past and present, seems hanging on something so trivial as the representative who will be handcuffed to their interest groups rather than their constituency? That is a great question, and that is created by the same people that rule us. Mm. 
they have created that sense of, if I don't win, the country will be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Their politics, by nature, their commercials tell you such. Mm -hmm. And so then it starts to develop in those people saying, that's right. If that person doesn't win, then my country is going to be lost. And we have, remember, politics has existed for 200 and something years since this country was here. Do I think we're in a, in a crisis in this country? I do. I think there are several things that we need to fix. I think our moral compass is broken. Mm-hmm. But it's not defined by one politician, by one senator, by one president. Those people have very little to do with your daily life. Really, uh, they don't make many laws. And um, most of the laws that are that constrict you or affect your daily life are done on a local level. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there is an impact, but in the end, the country is going to continue to survive. We may have some more problems to fix down the road. Um, I'm not sure that politicians will are are the ones to fix them. I think the biggest thing we need now are term limits, mm-hmm. term limits for judges and politicians because they are the ones that are skewing this reality of, of the fact that we need them so much. We don't, we don't really need them. And once we, once we stop giving them that power of saying, if you don't get elected, then our country is going to be in in the crapper, (laughs) you know, it, when we stop giving them that type of power, they will realize once again, that they are our servants. Um, You know, the funny thing is, is that almost every election I can think of, in my adulthood, the 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 person that moved closest to the center of what they felt or the polls showed most people wanted them to do were the ones that went would win, mm-hmm. and that's still generally the case. But the problem that I see now is that once people are in, they flee back to the left or the right is to where the loudest people in their constituency live. Mm-hmm. And that's counterintuitive for how to move our society forward. So so I'm probably not saying this correctly, but a lot of the things that I see are happening today that are making big swinging changes in how our economy moves and all this stuff that I thought five years ago would never, ever happen, that all is being funded and happening now, is not because the person that got in didn't say the things that the center wanted to hear. It's because when they got in, they decided to do everything that the very fringes wanted them to do, Mm -hmm. which is exactly why they should be booted, which is what the powers that be want, you know? And if you, if you've watched the swamp, uh, it's a show that with, it follows like Matt Gates and a few other people. It shows you how much power the parties have Mm -hmm. that the Republican party and the Democrat party are saying to you, once you get elected, great, congratulations, we need you to raise $50,000 this quarter for this, for our party. And then how you say, well, how am I supposed to do that? I'm trying to run my own campaign. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, go call the wolf and he'll sell your soul. Yeah. He'll, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he'll you sell do. your soul yeah. and he'll throw a party for you and you'll raise the $50,000. It's only worth 50,000. Your soul's not worth a lot. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and they, that courage that, that's always, it's easier to be that courageous guy when you're running for this office mm-hmm. and you're, but once you get into the 50 to the 100 to the 435, will you still have the courage to stand for what you believe in on your values? And, and I think most people end up caving to the pressure of the parties saying, 
you must come and vote on this or you must vote on that instead of standing up and saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Look at recently, Tulsi Gabbard is a perfect example of somebody who said, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not okay with this. It's not right. You've got, you've deviated from what this party was built on and I'm stepping away. I took a picture with her and posted it on my site or on my thing. And I did it for on purpose Mm -hmm. because I wanted to see what people would say. And a lot of people loved it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people hated it. Mm -hmm. They're like, Oh, she doesn't believe she believes in the, the WEF, the world economic forum. (laughs) She believes in, and doesn't believe in the second amendment. And I wanted to get on there so bad and go, we didn't talk politics. No, I merely met the woman Mm -hmm. and told her I admired her for her courage and we had a great conversation as two Americans yeah. who love this country. We may love it different, but we love it none the same. And it was it just it shows you just how where we're at as a country. And they've divided us like that. Well, what's interesting is those people that say things like that. I hate to say this. I'm probably not going to win brownie points. Um, <laughs> the people who say stuff like that are the same as the people who say the opposite. They're trying to stop us from being healthy like that. Like they're saying the same thing, just on the different side of the coin. Like, look, I can talk with someone who is a Democrat. I can talk with someone who is a Republican. I can disagree with both of them. I think they're both nonsensical sometimes. With that being said, I think they both also have really good points. And they're also, again, the most important thing, uh, my fellow countrymen. Well, you know, to, to the sheriff's point. Is he supposed to just not know, talk hate, to anybody her yeah. because yeah. He, she's got a different opinion on certain things? I don't, Is that what it's come to? I'm I'm not naive enough to think that everybody loves guns. Uh-uh. You know, here's what I think what I try to focus on. And this is where I feel like grounds me is I try to stay focused on the Constitution mm-hmm. because it's designed to support every American, regardless of your party. And what's funny, though, is when you stand up for, for example, Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. it should have been overturned. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because it wasn't in the Constitution. It's bad. Uh, the bad, Remain uh, in Mexico program. Bad law. Should have been overturned. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it, there's nowhere in the Constitution that says that you must remain in Mexico, mm-hmm. though I think it's a great program. And what people got all worked up about these things one way or the other, I watched Republicans who were glad that Roe versus Wade were overturned, but then angry because the the uh, Remain in Mexico program was overturned. And what I would say to them is, guys, it's about the Constitution, mm-hmm. and it wasn't in those, neither one of those. Now they the, all the Supreme Court said is it falls on the states to do it right. because it's not as defined it in the be. Constitution as it should be, mm-hmm. and. People lost their minds over it because they do, they're not knowledgeable and they don't know about the Constitution. The Constitution protects everybody. And mm-hmm. I always tell people, take the Second Amendment. It's not about guns. I said, you folks see it as guns. I see it as the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to change the Second Amendment just like I don't want you to change the First Amendment. And here's what I tell people. Okay, you don't like guns. You want to change it. Which part of the First Amendment will you change? You can only go to church one day a week. Maybe you can only speak freely on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Maybe you can you can only assemble um, in certain locations where the government is deemed you can assemble. And maybe the press can only report on Sunday. I said, 
are you okay with any of that? Well, no. I said, exactly. I don't want you to change the First Amendment in any way, and I don't want you to change the Second Amendment in any way, nor the third, nor the fourth, nor the fifth, nor the sixth, (laughs) nor the seventh, nor the eighth, nor the ninth, nor the tenth. I said, it's about an amendment to the Constitution. If you start changing it because you don't like guns, and if they offend you or you or you think that you've fallen into the trap that the government has created to make you think that they're more dangerous than they are, mm-hmm. you think that you should take them away. Well, where do you stop? I mean, if you start, exactly. if you start with a second, well, I mean, and that's why, why I tell people, yeah. take the guns away. Mm-hmm. I don't like the media necessarily, but I will fight till the end for the First sure. Amendment right. Mm-hmm. right. Same with the, the right to free speech. I will go online all the time. I scroll through. I, I see things that are horrible that I don't like. But you know what? I don't get my panties in a ruffle because it's their right to yep. say it. Mm-hmm. I can, and it's my right to ignore it and move on. It How about that? It's your responsibility to disseminate. And it's my, dispo- my responsibility as a sheriff to protect it. Mm-hmm. I protect it. I protect voting rights. I protect everything that was given to us in the constitution or by the rule of law. That's what I protect. And people don't get that. And I think that we get too far into what we feel one way or the other. And we get off track because of that. Yeah. It's unfortunate because it, it muddies the water makes what you do harder. It makes listening to anybody difficult because look when i when i sit down and i listen to you know blake masters or or carrie lake or joe biden or nancy pelosi or anybody in the political office the last thing i want to hear them talk about is something that is just irrelevant (laughs) and it seems to be that we keep instead of talking about things that are important we talk about things that are pointless and you know i just i don't know how to change it because it seems like my demographic specifically and the demographic after me are so focused on those they're like they're not unimportant to the individual, but they're unimportant in the broad scheme of things. Right. If an asteroid hit us tomorrow, who cares what you identify as? I'm a human wolf hybrid. Like yeah. who, who cares? <laughs> like no one's gonna care. So it's just I don't know. It's just it's just unfortunate. Well, I, I think you know focusing in on important subjects is is where we all want to be, mm-hmm. in, in, including those that have different perspectives than we do. I mean, I would think if you want to move your civilization forward, that's what you would want. You'd think. Right? And, and I, you know, I don't know what the right thing to do is either, but having a consensus on what's important is what you need. Yeah. And this is what I go back to when we were talking at the very beginning here. Uh, it, it seems like this is different than the way I view things because I'm all, everything is gray. Let's talk about yeah. that. But if you have a few straight... It, What's the old saying? You know, I want to be, for my kids, I want to be a straight road in a crooked world. You know, that's what I really want. And if you're, if you're viewing something and you see four or five certain things that you can count on, they're not gray. They're black and they're white. And you can follow those and you can keep in your lane. That's where you start to move forward. You start yeah. to make progress with things. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, we're in a storm in this country and people are looking for true North and I'm trying to be true North for them. Mm -hmm. It gets deemed as political. Sometimes I didn't create that. The politicians that created it, they created things. They tried to do things that were not right. Like for example, you, 
your listeners out there may, some people like masks, some people don't. Some people like lockdowns, some people don't. Some people like the vaccines, some people don't. They were all an overreach of government and they were all constitutional violations. And so my standpoint was, I'm not saying you can't do those things. I'm just saying the government cannot tell you that you can't do those things. It's not the government's place per the constitution. So I support your right to wear a mask if you want or not want it. If you want a vaccine, go get it. If you don't, don't get it. If you want to stay at home and you're worried about it, then I encourage you to stay home. But if you don't and you want to run your business, then go run your business. We are all adults. Mm -hmm. I can make my own decisions as to whether or not I want to go out. I looked at the information. Mark looked at the information on COVID and I said, I'm not that worried about it. I don't think it's a risk. I'm not going to take the vaccine. I did the math and you have a vaccine that at at best in the beginning, they were saying it was 92% effective. Well, guess what? I, based on the fact that I had had COVID, I was virtually almost a hundred percent good to go. So why would I take some of this? 92%. No such thing as natural. Well, what are you talking about? I mean, it's now it's like 90, 20, 30, 15%. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, my, my point in all that is, in the end, I'm just protecting your right and your ability to make your own decisions, especially as it related to health. I didn't think it was the government's any place to, so it goes back to that control factor. And, and so my job is, as a sheriff, I've always said, is to protect you from the bad guys, from the wolves. <laughs> but we can't all be good <laughs> but it's also to protect you from government overreach and that's how the founding fathers set it up with checks and balances and i happen to be one of those checks and balances and and people it offends their sensibility sometimes people from the other side or the extremists that i'm not doing it their way and it's like well, i'm just protecting all of you, you know, it's so. amazing that you can offend people by saying it's up to you because that's what you're basically telling people. It's it's your personal decision. It's your, as you said in your book, your curtain of risk, right? Yeah. I was making my own laws, according to them. You were making laws. Yeah, I wasn't following the law. It's like, no, I was. Those <laughs> yeah. were mandates and orders, and I was following the Constitution. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, the laws of CNN are real confusing. <laughs> yeah. You know, really have them written down. Um, you know, so I'd love to talk about, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it seems it seems as if, uh, you haven't even seen the notes, and you're just going right through them. Um, so, I love. What do you think is the greatest threat right now um, to the state of Arizona? Oh, to the state of Arizona, mm-hmm. I would say um, the border. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that the border. I think the border is honestly probably one of the greatest threats to America. Mm-hmm. I mean, politics you can change, you can re- vote in new politicians, you can do things like that, but in the end. Um, they're allowed fentanyl is killing people mm. and it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Um, fentanyl by the, by, by the mere statistics, fentanyl is the leading cause of death amongst Americans between the ages of 18 and 45. Um, and Arizona is not immune from that. So I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not telling you, I'm telling you because that's what the stats say. And I see it every day. I have to clean up the messes of all these people that are overdosing or not overdosing. They're being poisoned. They're not overdoses. They're being poisoned by fentanyl. Um, And we're constantly every day trying to take it off the street. And then you talk about the immigration piece of it. It's not about immigration. 
That's what people keep confusing. This is about human trafficking and drug trafficking into America. This is a sensitive subject for Americans, but I will tell you that slavery, I don't think, has ever been more prolific in America than it is today. Women that are being enslaved for the sex trade, with children being enslaved for sex trade, men being extorted, forced to pay back the cartel for money to come here. They never get out from underneath those debts. Um, and we're seeing it, 300,000 plus people coming to the border every month that the cartels, we're bringing that clientele right to the mm-hmm. cartel's doorstep. And so this is what's happening in Arizona. It's what's happening in America. I think the greatest threat to our children and the greatest threat to our communities is the fentanyl poisonings that are happening. Um, and if we don't get on top of it, honestly, it's going to cripple us. I mean, the opium wars of 200 years ago, which we can make some ties and some mm-hmm. correlations there, um, even though it was Great Britain that did it, China views us as the West too, as they right. do Great Britain. And if you look at that, they literally brought a dynasty to its knees through the opium wars. The Chinese don't play checkers. They play chess. They, know, they understand the art of war, Sun Tzu. Um, they are pouring fentanyl into the precursors for fentanyl into the, car, the cartel's hands. And the cartels are more than happy to then bring it into America and sell it to American lives and kill our American families and kill American lives. Last year in Arizona, 33 children died from fentanyl poisonings. Seven were under the age of one. I mean, that statistic alone should get all these politicians, these senators and people unelected because they failed us. Uh-huh. They failed us. And so those are what I look at. Those are the statistics. And those are the things that are causing us the most problems, at least in Pinal County and probably in Arizona as well. So for our viewers and our listeners, when this episode comes out, a special election episode, um, <laughs> when it comes out, you know, obviously some people will have gone and done their due diligence. Um, Sheriff Lamb, you have experience with some of these individuals, um, be it, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, you know, Donald Trump, Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, who has like the coolest name ever. Um, <laughs> with that being said, like, what is it that they can do? I mean, it, it seems like this is like, what can they do? Whether they win, like say Blake Masters, Carrie Lake, they run away with it. If they win or if, if, if they don't, what can the politicians do to help this issue? Because it eventually is going to come to their doorstep. Well, let's start with Blake Masters first, because um, I do think Blake Masters is going to squeak this out. Mm-hmm. I think he will. I think that um, his opponent, Mark Kelly, is not a good senator. He's not been good for Arizona. His vote is always with the party, and his vote is not what's beneficial to Arizona. He has not been good for border security. He claims he's been doing this for the last two years. The results are disastrous. So if you've been working on this two years, then you certainly have not done a good job. Mm. So he can claim that he's working on it. That doesn't look good. Mm -hmm. Or you can say you didn't do anything about it, which is probably more likely. Um, So Blake Masters can't do a ton. Mm. Blake Masters is one of a hundred senators. So you are one vote. So it cracks me up when politicians are like, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to fix that. It's like, eh, you know. I don't know how much you can fix to that, but I do think that he can be a voice for some of these things. And I think that if the Senate goes one way or the other, um, if it goes back, let's say to the Republicans, he'll be able to do a lot more. His, his vote, his vote will really matter. But on a federal level, there's not a ton that one Senator can necessarily do. 
Um, but other than maybe be very vocal and challenge this government to do it and, and, and hold their, the lackeys underneath accountable. Um, your justice department people, your secretary of DHS, all of these people. Governor is much bit different. Governor is an executive. The governor, um, and I think Carrie Lake's going to win as well. And I think Carrie Lake is an amazing woman. I think she's one of the best candidates in this country, regardless of what people think, because they did a report the other day, 100% of articles written about Carrie Lake are negative. 100%. <laughs> that tells the story right there. So you're not hearing the truth from her. I have spent time or, or from the media. I have spent time around Carrie Lake. She's an awesome woman and an amazing candidate. And I think she'll do an amazing job for Arizona. She can do some things. She can declare an invasion. She can do some things. Some of the things that she's talking about are really good. Some of the other things, don't get frustrated if you don't think it's right. Because when she wins, we're going to have an opportunity to sit down as law enforcement and really help her curtail that. I care more that you have the energy and the passion to go fight for Arizona than I do that your that your plans are good or bad. I want you, I want, I'm looking for a dog with fight in them. Mm. I'm not looking for somebody that has no fight. Well, you um, can tell she has a fight in her. She does, yeah. you know, and her opponent doesn't, her opponent failed to show up to any of the debates that should tell you the Arizona's. Have, have we done a wellness check? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, her opponent avoids conflict at all cost, and mm. we're not in a world full of devoid of conflict anymore. Mm. You need a strong person who's going to stand up for Arizona. We need somebody that's going to stand up for state rights, yeah. Arizona state rights. This country was built. This republic was built on state sovereignty and state rights, and we have watched federalism encroach far too much. And we need a governor that's going to stand against that. So there is a lot more that the governor can do um, as it relates to effectiveness in Arizona um, because she's an executive. And so she can, from the executive branch, and she can fix some of the stuff. So Texas talked about declaring an invasion. I don't believe they have yet. Um, I think that's a, a very valid thing to say that is possible, right, as a, as a direction to mend some of the, the problems at the border. But I've also heard feds talk about um, saying that the cartels are terrorists and that would, that would create a different situation with the military. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, oh, I, I would love that. for the feds to declare them terrorists. They are terrorists. They strike terror in the hearts of the people that come here. Does to that come from Congress though? Or does no. that come from, um, that's what I'm not sure. Of. I don't know that, I think a governor could declare them terrorists. Really? Okay. I don't know how much weight that would carry. Gotcha. Because um, you don't have the military under your purview. Well, if you think about it, all the things you mentioned, the, 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 the slavery, if you will, no matter how you define that, that's going on with the, the people coming across the border and put, being put in a position financially to, to have their spouses or their children be used in a million different ways. We don't really need to, you know, get too deep. Well, Cause how many times can you sell a pill to somebody? Mm -hmm. Well, you told Once. a story last time about a lady that had a bag of, of pills yeah. that were morning after pills because yeah. she knew she was going to have to use them. That's right. It, it that in the, the, the drugs and everything, this all is funneled through a set of cartels across that border. All right. of it. And we've allowed how, it to happen under that? the name of politics. Mm hmm. 
because politically it aligns with your party, you've turned a blind eye to it. And frankly, more and more that it happens as Americans, all of us, when we don't speak out against it, we are becoming complicit in it. The cartel understands that they can sell a woman hundreds of times. They'll get far more for a woman than they will for a 50-cent fentanyl pill. You know, or a dollar fentanyl pill. You can charge $100 for a woman or $50 for a woman. You can do it a hundred, hundreds of times. Same with a child. In a, in a society where we're watching as they're trying to normalize pedophilia and change how we talk how we talk about those people and call them minor attracted persons and they're maps to yeah, that's nowhere they're. <laughs> they're maps to nowhere you just pick it up and there's nothing on it and it's a map and that's what they want to do <laughs> and what they're doing is if you don't think the cartel is more all all but more than willing to meet that demand do you know how many unaccompanied minors came in in the last calendar year 130,000 children have come in. And the year before, 122,000 unaccompanied minors. Those people didn't make their way all if the way they through took Central America. What less than 1% of them and put them into the, the trade, to the sex yeah. trade, you're talking about 1,000 or 1,200. Or, but, you know, you've got to believe that they took maybe 10%, 20% of those children that so, could be now on the sex trade here in America. See that this is this this here like this, hearing this, this type of gets stuff gets me angry. Yeah, I it know. gets me angry. But it also what bothers me the most. What bothers me the most is not that we need some level of immigration reform because I agree. I think anything can get better. We need to consistently keep getting better. What bothers me the most is the people that push this. Not necessarily the people that follow what the politicians say, because some of them just aren't informed. But the people who are the politicians, they hide behind the best possible thing in America, which is the First Amendment. It's the pursuit of happiness. It's the ability to become an American citizen and experience true freedom. They hide behind that while ignoring exactly. those problems. It's disgusting. Well, look. It's disgusting to watch and mm -hmm. see and watch it happen in real time and you're trying to say something and then people are just not caring. And then you got people all throughout America going, they don't believe it. They don't believe it. You got the media saying it's a manufactured crisis. You got politicians saying it's a manufactured crisis. How unjust is that for the women that are being enslaved or the children or the families who have had loved ones poisoned by fentanyl, which by the way is over 107,000 last year. Right. I mean, it is, it is so, it is such a slap in the face to those people that, I mean, I just, that is why I go out. That's why you see me all over the place. Right. Because to me, I believe what Abraham Lincoln said when he said to sin by silence makes, when they should protest makes cowards of men. And I refuse to be a coward and stay silent and not say anything about this. And, and it, it's, it's not an easy topic to talk about. But it has to be talked about because it's happening right here in America. Mm -hmm. And to undo this is not going to be easy. If they, if they wanted to pass immigration, the Democrats have been in power with Congress, Senate, and the presidency. They could have slam dunked an a immigration bill. And frankly, a lot of Republicans would have signed on to an immigration right. bill. Mm -hmm. Did they put one in front of it? No. No. You know what they did do? You know how many ICE agents there are here in Arizona? 386. 
They signed a bill for 87,000 IRS, IRS agents. agents. That's right. They don't want to protect your borders. They don't want immigration. They want your money. That's what they want. They want to control your life, and they know that if they take your money and control your money, they can control you. And so that is what Americans should be and, very concerned about. And anybody that doubts that statement right there just has to look at what happened to the truckers in Canada only of six months ago. Because good old, uh, those guys' bank accounts <laughs> were completely cut off by Castro's Castro son. Castro's son, yeah. right? Well, I mean, I mean like, Justin yeah, Trudeau. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry yeah. I've, so he just looks, they look so He's like similar. Klaus Schwab's son. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Maybe a Klaus Schwab but Castro mix. Uh, honestly, this, oh, this, man. Stuff, this stuff. <laughs> With a little it, Soros in there, too? Oh, oh my God. Oh, oh. This is a thing of nightmares. Oh. We just well, got your podcast flagged, by the way. We just got it flagged. That's fine. Well, I, I think at the end of the day, all this comes down to control and all of it comes down to censorship. Because <laughs> we can talk till we're blue in the face about how uh, all the people on the right or depending on circumstance and who you are, all the people on the left are either A, fixing the votes, or B, a part of the WEF. We can talk about that till we're blue in the face, but we can't talk about what we just talked about a second ago. That's right. And I just don't... Well, that's the frustrating how, part. Well, how, can, how can those that believe in freedom effectively fight back against censorship when it's offered with a smile and a wink? Instead Thomas, of an iron fist. Thomas Paine says the greatest tyrannies are always perpetrated in the name of the noblest causes. Mm-hmm. Um, they tell you that they're trying to, to reduce um, misinformation about COVID or misinformation about voting. Or they, they, they talk to you like they're doing a good thing, mm-hmm. like they're saving you from something. Same with COVID. We are going to take people's voices, any information counter to the vaccines or counter to masks or counter to COVID off of social media because it is harmful and we're protecting you. Well, there it is right there. There's the statement. You hear somebody in power say that over and over again without proving they're exactly protecting you in a real true fashion. You might as well think about what they did. uh, 1942. That's what they. That's what they said to a hundred thousand Japanese Americans. We're just trying to protect you. Well, they said it to the. They also <laughs> said it to the German people about the Jews, who they determined to all have typhus. Look, I'm not trying to conflate no, these horrible no, no. historical circumstances with today, but maybe I should. Really, well, it, yeah. our job is citizens of the United States, having the framework of the Constitution allowing us to pres- to to say what we want learn what we need to change our point of view with all the information that comes at us is something that is unbelievably rare in society throughout history. I mean, I mean, tiny, tiny rare. We need to understand that if we want to keep it, we need to use it to, this is why censorship is so important. Yeah. Because if you're going to change it, if you're going to reinvent America, like they said two years ago, or to build back better, and look, Republicans, Democrats both do it. I'm not just, I'm not here picking on one or the other. Those just happen to be the slogans of the last, you know, of the current administration. To, when they were running, it was to reinvent America. If you're going to do these things, you have to silence the voice of the opposition and you control the narrative and you control all the information that's being put out there. 
because you know what you're doing is so counter to what America was built on. So you have to control it because if not, all these information sources are going to screw up your plan. Mm. And so the best way to do it is to censor the people and you do it under the guise that we're doing what is best for you that's exactly right the wolf you know we're protecting you wait protecting me protecting your feelings oh yeah oh that's great for what's best for you yeah of course you are you know these the the problem is is people are so deluded into believing that their viewpoint of the future is it justifies the ends justify the means right Right. that's what it comes down well i think that's people in power though I'm sorry, what? That's the people in power. I don't think that's the voting populace. I think the people in power, I think they have that end goal, and the voting populace just thinks that sounds nice. If you don't think this stuff matters, like, they changed global warming to climate change. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. They had to repackage it. They were down marketing. for a few years. Yeah, marketing was bad. They marketing had to hire a firm. Because when it got work. colder, they, they it, it <laughs> debunked yeah, it. Yeah, it didn't help. So they changed it to climate change. So now they can claim, like any hurricane, which have existed forever, mm. they can claim that it's because of the emissions and the carbons right, and all right. this stuff. And so they can claim um, anything is climate change. Our president, when the hurricane hit, he goes down there and gives a speech and says, you know, first of all, he's like, the best thing you can do to protect yourself from the it's hurricane good, is get vaccinated. vaccinated. Well, you said that way like, too well. Yeah. It was, uh, putting in vaccinations. <laughs> Who do you think could say it better? Uh, Fetterman or Biden? Uh, oh, <laughs> wow. When I was the president of the my third grade kindergarten class, like, I mean, like, it's, it's, yeah, it's... Yeah, he did go down there and talk about getting vaccinated. I couldn't believe he threw that in there. Well, I just didn't know hurricanes wouldn't kill you if you had the vaccine. Well, no, you're protected. Yeah. From hurricanes. They should have pitched it that way the first time. I would have been more on board. And then they tie in everything to... There's three things that they really run with. One is climate Climate change change. because it it suits the globalist agenda. Mm -hmm. It works for the globalist agenda. Because then you can control what you drive, what you spend, where you anything. That's what they're trying to control. Um, number two is, um, oh, I freaking lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> you know, after I was that, so focused after on that the globalist whole, piece. Okay. After that it's whole right. Biden well, speech, right? There, I just pulled like, up. Well, that's what I did for talking crap. Well, look, I, I mean, I, here's in, well. I guess the funny thing is, is, is we're talking about these things, and you said no, the, like the, people don't believe it. Look. Am I a proponent of what Al Gore, the founder of the internet, um, <laughs> discovered in like the 90s? Am I a proponent of climate change? If you phrase it like science, yeah, I'm a proponent of science. But here's the funny thing. No one ever offers an actual answer to any of it that fixes anything. Well, no, they offer an answer. By a priest. That's actually going to cause more problem for yeah. a while before yeah. you can even get close. Well, And, that's, and it's not going to just cause... Well, that's oh okay. God. Well, this don't is, lose yourself. You I'm, don't want I've the bull to. You, you're I'm not. You're seeing off. red. You're seeing Remember, red. Remember, I have a geophysics degree. Yeah, you, just, you, you, you chill, chill, just a tad. I just my thing is like, look, I would be all on board for all of this if the answers that they provided weren't wet fart answers. Like, yeah. oh, we're going to solve the problem with wind turbines. Really? <laughs> Which uh, take 
so much energy yeah. to produce. Like if they had, and say, they're such an eyesore. Yeah. Huge. Uh, like, killing the birds. And they kill more birds yeah. than, than you know. That was an eagle. You like that? Or yeah. hawk. That was a hawk. How about how about the batteries for the electric cars? There you go. Well, that's where I was that. headed. I yeah. mean, they're going to cost more. We're well, going to have to wipe out everyone. But that's what people yeah. don't get. And what they've done is they've created an army of people that are just so angry about the climate because it's going to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. But they're willing to kill everybody well, yeah. to, for the climate. It's like, well, meanwhile, those people sense. that are angry about it are eating these uh, these protein replacements that are all made from vegetable oil, something that is highly refined and probably not good for the climate. So, I mean, it, it's just it's just weird. It doesn't matter what we do. China no. and all these other countries, they're never going to do it. And, and this and by the way, this is not us saying that we can't come up with ingenuitive things. We've, we've talked about this on the show before. It's just the answer. Like, I normally don't like calling people dopes, but the answer that these dopes keep coming up with through poor legislation and just bad ideas, it just ain't it. Well, it's it, not it. Honestly, it's not even the legislation thing. Look, if we, we, if we have a process in the United States to go through Congress to put laws together that are actually something we can all read, maybe, after yeah. they put it up on the Internet for one day before they pass it, yeah. a thousand pages. You know, and I think I've heard you say it before, it should never be any longer than the, the Declaration or the Constitution. Yeah. It should be a paragraph. It's real simple. Give me the bullet points, mm-hmm. yeah. and then we can argue about it, and then fill in the details. And, and, and no I, pork. Oh, yeah. If, if, they, if, they ha- if they took an agenda item and said, this is what we want to do. We want to fix these bridges. Not fix these bridges and do these 14,000 other things that have nothing to do with fixing bridges. That would be great, but that's not the way we work. And I I get compromise and get all that. I even love the idea that, that our world is full of people with such disparate interests and that get emotional and and want to do something. And I don't care if somebody yells about the climate or not, or I, I think that's wonderful human element. What I care about is when that element becomes not just a, a noise at me or something for me to research, but becomes something that's mandated upon me to take care of. Or violently attempting to, to make you believe the way they believe. I'm going to force you. Yeah, and I don't like that. I don't, I, I just, I'm not for it. I think that you got to let Americans just live their lives and let them do what they're going to do. If they want to drive a big old truck, burns through gas and so be it. Make a better truck. Yeah. And make it affordable. This is the question. Like, it's like, look, like Elon, you're fantastic. I like you. Um, why are your cars so expensive? And he doesn't he an answer for it. He has an answer, and it's probably reasonable. And you know one. what? It's if just, you're a first adopter and you and you like the, that technology, I've I've driven an S. Yeah, they're they're fun. They're, they're really move, fun. Man, but they're but, nice. but the thing is, like, but, if this was this much of a crisis, it would be affordable. Heck, I would argue it would be to the uh, behest of those who believe in a uh, ideology that I do not profess to. Uh, it should be free. If that's such a crisis, right? Like, so the, the the problem right now is that that the changes that people want to develop, maybe two hundred years from now, we'll look back and and some of these changes were the right thing to do, and so maybe some of them weren't, and all that. Who knows? History always tells those details. But for right now, we're not trying to move the boat slowly in a new direction. No, we're trying to just spin on a dime. Right. And we're going to create way more problems than we have right now doing it. And as you said earlier, it's going to be a volatile time. 
Nothing we can't eventually fix. Luckily, we're in, we're in the United States of America, which has a GDP that's so much above everybody else that we have the, for now, that we have the ability to watch these things happen and actually functionally do something about it. Yeah. And luckily, we have very mildly intelligent people who wrote books called American Sheriff Rules to Live By 100%. that help give you a, a, a guide to these kind of troubling it. times. I love the way you just brought that right back yeah, around see that? where it belongs. That was nice. That was yeah, nice. yeah. And, and, and honestly, what do you mean you're not a politician? Yeah. You're definitely a politician. Well, I'd love to end with a few quotes and then one final note on censorship, and then we can wrap up in the interest sure. of time. Um, do check out the book. I, I know you know Sheriff Lamb says he's not an author. I, I read his book. He's he's not an author. He's an author. I, oh, sorry, <laughs> author. I, 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 I'm clearly not a uh, English expert here. Um, uh, but yeah, his book's a great book. Easy read, quick read. It's a sure. phenomenal book. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if liberty means anything at all. It means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. That is from our buddy George Orwell. Claim the truth and do not be silent through fear. That is from St. Catherine of Siena. Love it. This is slavery not to speak one's thought. That is from Euripides in The Phoenician Woman. There is There are more instances of abridgment of the freedom of the people by gradual and silent encroachments of this in power than by violent and sudden usurpations. James Madison. Fear not do right is echoed in statements against censorship. The very premise of liberty rejects the suffocation that censorship advocates for. Ironically, the very institution thought to uphold the merits of liberty since the founding of this country has ever so slowly pushed for more and more censorship as time has gone on. They mask their requests with nicely written anecdotes and bumper sticker slogans. Why do you think there's such a push for push for censorship, especially now when it's in direct contradiction to the very idea of America and freedom? They need it. If they're going to exact their plan, you've got to censor the other side. You've got to censor the the um, dissenting opinions. That's the only way you do it. And social media, if you control it, is the best place for them to censor it. Mm-hmm. They can censor what the 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 because you want to say the scientists tell you that there's this, that there's global warming, or there's scientists that tell you that the vaccine works. Well, there's also other scientists saying no, that doesn't work, or no, the climate is not in decay. Um, and what they've done is they've given themselves the power to say that doesn't work for us. We need to censor that. But the censorship is probably one of the most dangerous things to America because America thrives a republic thrives on an abundance of information that we can sift through you know we need all that information we don't need censorship the reason we need that information is because we are the way the republic works is we're expected to elect an official that is going to represent us at a national level or at a state level or at a local level and if you don't have all the information, if you are being, if information is being centered and deprived from you, you could potentially send the wrong person to represent you in our republic, and it could have a negative effect on our republic, which I believe is what we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. That censorship, and when you involve government in it, which now there is, it appears there is ample information and, and even evidence that is showing that there was a potential. Um, censorship on behalf of the FBI mm-hmm. encouraging social media platforms to censor. So 
Censorship is extremely dangerous to probably as dangerous as fentanyl mm. because that censorship affects the Republic and the, the life of the Republic. And it also creates anger and animosity. Um, you shut down one voice and embolden another. Um, and it, what it does is it allows for, it doesn't allow for the American people to process the information the way they should. Um, yeah. And get it all, and some of it you may or may not like, some of it you may gravitate to, some of it you may not. But the idea is in America that you are not to be censored from anything that comes out. And I don't find any circumstance under which the government should promote censorship, and I don't find any circumstance under which a private corporation um in good in good faith should censor somebody's voice they have the right that private corporations have the right um but not at the behest of the government Mm-mm. you know wars throughout history um, the winners of wars write the histories right and um and and not only that they create the wars yeah the pen is yeah. mightier than the sword well mm-hmm. a lot of times things are created intentionally so that they can be solved by the same people that created them. We've talked about that before and, and you see that all the time. But when, when histories are written um, from the, the bias, if you will, of the winner, we kind of all understand that we, 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 and if you read through history and that we have such an abundance of knowledge today, you can sift through that because we're Americans. We should have all that available to us to, to look at and see. The trouble that I have with a lot of what's going on now with censorship is that we're not at war with ourselves. We should not be. Let's put it that way. We should not be. So why is it that the that whoever gets in office, and again, this is I'm not trying to pick political parties or any of that kind of stuff. Whoever is in in power at one given time should not act like they're just the winner of a war and they're creating a new history. Cause that's what that censoring really is. Mm-hmm. It, our, our country is, I think is, 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 is good as it is because of the ability throughout our history to look at each other and feud with each other and come up with something in the middle that everybody can accept as a framework for our existence mm-hmm. and moving forward. This History, thousand years from now, we'll look back at this country and just be shocked and amazed at our meteoric rise to where we we went. And they're likely to be shocked and amazed at the meteoric fall if we don't change it by standing up for what we believe in. Yeah, yeah. Well, get what's sheriff? your thoughts on on censorship? You know, I think it goes both ways. I think that there are some individuals who want only certain views on one side to be talked about per the individuals that got mad about the <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard photo. And, <laughs> yeah. and then there's the other side that wants it to be uh, all one way in their direction. And it's, it's sad because at the end of the day, it's just, uh, it's, it's all about control. And it. It, it, by trying to control everything, you create a jail for yourself long-term. And I don't think people realize that. I mean, traditional values in a modern world, every single anecdote that you bring up about your life talks about how it's just good to let life occur. Yeah. 
and operate in the ways that you can. The same can be said uh, about American sheriff rules to live by. The rules are not life. They're rules to apply. That's right. And it's, it just, it's unfortunate. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a old wolf, but I'm a young man. And so I under, <laughs> I understand that there's a lot of life left to be lived. It's just really unfortunate that some individuals older or younger than me haven't yet figured out that you just can't control everything. You can't. Yeah. One of the sheriff's favorite sayings, I believe, maybe you're thinking the same one I am or not, but it's it probably my favorite. That's just simply surrender the outcome. That's it. It's, yeah. it's, I think it's one of the key things to it. You've got to let life just, you've got to live the life and you can't control what other, somebody else's life, what they are supposed to experience in life or yours or yours. I mean, you can help, but you can't, you can't impede on it or control on it because you're depriving them of something. You're depriving them of growth. You're depriving them of a of an experience that they needed to bring something better out in them. And so that's part of the reason I, I love what you were saying because I think that, and thank you for, for talking about both the books because I think that that's what censorship does. That's what control does. And it it is designed to inhibit our, I believe in God. It is designed to to inhibit what our God-given individuality, authenticity, and talents that we have to share with this world. It inhibits that, and by its by its nature, that control and that censorship is ungodly in a, in a sense because it is depriving the people of becoming who they were meant to be, and what they can share with the world. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I believe in surrendering the outcome and letting things, letting people say what they're going to say. And some of it's criticism, but like Aristotle says, the only way to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. Be nothing. Mm, that's good. And in the end, I refuse to, that's why I write the books. I refuse to, to not do anything. I refuse to not say anything and I refuse to not be anything. And so that's the the approach I take to life. Yeah, excellent. That's really good. And you know, obviously, you bring a message of truth. You bring something that's needed—a message of hope to people. Um, and you know, if you guys are if if our listeners and our viewers are looking for something that's uplifting, both of Sheriff Lamb's books are phenomenal. Um, Sheriff Lamb, it's been wonderful speaking with you. Oh, I it always really love doing the show with you guys. Yeah, it's been ph- phenomenal. I think it's been a wonderful conversation. I think this episode is going to provide some additional insight, not only for our listeners, but also for our viewers on who you are as an individual and you know some of the principles that you live by and some of the, the principles that maybe they can apply to their own life. Um, now, for our listeners and our viewers... Where can they find you? How can they get their hands on your new, on you know your newest book? And uh, is there anything in particular you'd like them to know? Oh, um, that last question is what got me. What I wanted mm-hmm. to know. Well, I wrote it in the books. There you go. <laughs> uh, I want you to know you can get it out of those books on Amazon. Although I prefer you to get them at americansheriff.store um, or at sheriffswife.com. My wife is launching net, her next second book uh, next week. It's called Bravery and Blinders. Love to get her on the show if you ever want her. She's great. I think so. She's a good interview. Um, and her book is very good as well. But you can see that, uh, get those books there. And you can get their books, um, those the ones you buy on the site at americansheriff.store or Sheriff's Wife. We personalize those books and send them out to you. 
Um, so Fantastic. please get them there. Follow me on American Sheriff on Instagram, um, American Sheriff on True Social, and Sheriff Lamb on Facebook. And then I'm going to probably get back into <laughs> to, uh, Twitter, Twitter now. <laughs> and that's uh, Sheriff Lamb 1. And uh, what I want people to know is that America is still the greatest country in the world. Um, don't listen to your politicians. Don't listen to the mainstream media. They want you to think that it's not. There's 300,000 people that show up every month to our borders that believe different. Mm. It is still the greatest country. It is still the bastion of freedom. We still have the ability to change the direction of this country. November 8th is that date. Please get out and vote. Vote for the person that most meets what you what you believe as a person and as, a, and as an American. Um, and please, just continue to... Uh, to, to fight for American values in the way of life, the Constitution, freedom, um, because our ability to disagree with each other or agree with each other uh, was built on on the very same things that you may or may not like, and that's the Constitution and the Founding Fathers and what they gave us, and ultimately freedom. So still the best country in the world, and don't give up on her, and uh, let's let's come together as a people. That's really where our power is. I always share Second Timothy one seven. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Our power is we the people standing together. Don't let them divide you on race, religion, color, uh, political differences. You can't. I always tell the zebra stripes, but I know we're wrapping up, so I no. won't tell the zebra stripes today. I mean, if you want to, you can. Yeah. Okay, so zebra stripes. It's actually Jordan. <laughs> it's actually Jordan Peterson. And then I promise I'll, I'll wrap it up after I. Do these three things. Um, the um, zebra stripes, Jordan Peterson actually tells it. A scientist wants to understand why zebras have stripes. Some people say it's for camouflage, but that's not true because a, a, a lion is tan. Mm. He could be a couple feet in front of you and you wouldn't see him. But a zebra you could see from a mile away. So he's like, I'm going to understand. I want to know why these, have, these zebras have stripes out in the middle of the Serengeti. So he goes out and he's watching this herd of zebras. He's watching one and he looks down to make a note. And when he looks back up, he can't find the zebra he was watching. It mixed in with the other ones. So he's like, I got an idea. I'm going to get a can of paint. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to paint an X on the butts of a few of these zebras. <laughs> so the next day he does that. Gets in his Jeep, takes the can of paint, goes out, paints a, a red X on the butts of a few of the zebras. Now he can watch them. He comes back. He thinks he's pretty slick. Well, he gets up the next morning. And the predators ate those zebras. <laughs> <laughs> and what he learned was, is that the predators cannot hunt the herd. The predators have to divide you, have to identify one of you um, to hunt you. And he also learned that the zebra stripes were not camouflaged from their surroundings. They were camouflaged for each other. It's the we, the people principle. It's Excellent. that we as a herd is where our strength and our protection and our power comes from, not as individual zebras. Um, and so you still need zebras like me who paint a red, big red X on my butt and go out there and put myself at risk to the predators. And mind you, they're not, they're not lions that are hunting us. These are jackals and hyenas trying to, to partition us out. They want to divide you on anything they can that's why they, they make a big deal in the media every time there's something that's um, Roe versus Wade, climate change, any of these things that, that race, um, religion, po po uh, political differences, philosophical differences, all of these things, they by design are 
wanting to separate you from the herd because they know that the herd is the power. So we, the people take back your power. Number two, love. You've got to instill love back in this country. Um, this country was built on our goodness. Uh, Alexis de Tocqueville, who was a Frenchman who came here in the early 1800s, sent by the French government to understand what made America great um, and, and to understand the, penal, the American penal system and the American Constitution. So he comes here, spends a lot of years here, ends up writing a, a, a four-volume series called Democracy in America, becomes world-renowned because of it. But in there he writes, I search for her genius and power in her commodious harbors and in her ample rivers, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and in her boundless prairies, and it was not there. In her rich mines and in her vast world commerce, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and discovered her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand her genius and power. America was great because she was good. And if America ever ceased to be good, America will cease to be great. We are, have to get back to our goodness. You dispel darkness with light, not with more darkness, not with more hate. So you've got to come together as a people. Um, not as only is it our power, but the love is what will transcend the differences that we are currently experiencing with one another. Um, so, you got to restore the love. And the last thing is of a sound mind. Mm -hmm. You cannot let them get you sideways. Um, I always explain to it what a, a flashbang is. A flashbang is a little canister. It's kind of like a grenade, um, but there's no shrapnel. And we use it when we serve search warrants because it will. what it does is it's boom, a big loud noise, a bright light, and percussion. And it's designed to take away your auditory abilities to take away your vision temporarily because of the bright light and to um, discombobulate you because of the percussion. We as Americans have been flashbanged by the media, by politicians. We have been flashbanged. If we don't get our wits about ourselves really quick, we're going to be in big trouble. And so you've got to be of a sound mind. You've got to take control of the ship. You cannot um, let them get you sideways and angry and frustrated. That's all by design. So you've got to be in control and of a sound mind. And I know I shared this before, and it's the, it's the quote that I end this book with by James Allen, as a man thinketh. Um, so as soon as you read American Sheriff, traditional values in a modern world, or, and American Sheriff rules to live by, which you can get on Amazon and americansheriff.store, <laughs> read As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. It should actually be on your monthly reading list. Mm. And in there he says, keep your hand firmly upon the helm of thought. In the bark of your soul reclines the commanding master. He does but sleep. Wake him. Self-control is strength. Right thought is mastery. Calmness is power. Say unto your heart, peace be still. We all have a commanding master inside of us. You got to wake them up and get them up to the home of the ship to navigate these difficult waters. We'll be okay if you do those things, if you take back your power, you restore the love in this country and the goodness in this country. And if you can keep your mind, a sound mind, keep your mind about your wits about you and all about you or blaming it on you. Um, that's truly where we're going to find our greatness again in America. So 
that's, that's it. That's what I want people so to know. Good. That's a lot, but it's what I want them to know. No, that's good. I'm ready Very to cross good. the Delaware. Uh, will you join me? <laughs> Let's uh, do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Sheriff Lamb, thank you again so much for thank joining you. us. It is just always such a pleasant conversation. I mean, it is. He, he, he actually, I started to get angry this time, and I, I yeah. think your, your last statement you now told now. me to get a hold of myself. Yeah. So I think I'm going to have So to when go. I speak, I do that. Yeah. I, it, you have to, people need to understand the severity of what it is. Mm-hmm. But like any, you have to have a plan as to how we're going to fix this. Yeah. And you have to know that we can yeah. and that we will. And so that's the idea is, yes, you, you need to understand what's going on, but it, but we can do this. We're Americans. Like yep. we, if anyone can. We supposedly put people on the moon. I mean, we, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's a different podcast entirely. Uh, uh, we, yeah, yeah, we've done some incredible things. Yes, like we have. The current administration we have. But yeah, uh, just again, thank you so much. Thanks to our viewers and our listeners. Thank you for tuning into the Wolf and Bull podcast. Check out his books. They're phenomenal. And uh, yeah, this is going to come out uh, before November 8th. I'm going to get it out on the Monday. Oh, I love it. I love it. Nice hard work over here. Get out and vote then. Yep. That's right. Yep. This is going to come out before November 8th. So when you see this, make sure to do your due diligence as a citizen and as an American. But we will see you again next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Wolf and Bull podcast with your host, the Wolf and Bull. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all of the latest from the Wolf and Bull, you can tune in via our weekly episodes available on nearly every major listening platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Wolf and Bull. You can follow us on YouTube at the Wolf and Bull podcast and at our website, thewolfandbull.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.